Hi, I'm Dan Primack of Axios Recap. On today's episode, we shared part of a conversation with Tom Houck, a civil rights leader who was very close friends for over 50 years with Congressman John Lewis, who passed away last Friday night. We wanted to share the full conversation with you, and here it is. You were obviously very close to John Lewis and with him in the week before he passed. There have been a lot of beautiful stories, poignant stories shared about him over the past few days. Is there a favorite story or memory of yours you'd like to share for people to hear? Well, I was kidding with somebody the other day about my relationship with John. It goes back to 1965, and we talked nearly every day since 1965. A very short break really was between the time John was running for Congress against another mutual friend of ours, Julian Bond. And we didn't talk for eight months, but we made up and we talked every day pretty much since then. I have been involved with just about everything that John Robert Lewis has been involved with since the civil rights movement. I worked with him for two years as a voter education project. I certainly, you know, when I was working and driving for Dr. King and the King family, got to know he very well. I was at his wedding, the John and Lillian's wedding. We put the baseball games and football games together, and naturally we gossiped, and he loved to gossip. We would sit and talk on the phone for hours just talking about different people, different things, different current events, and so forth. I used to always kid him because Time Magazine named him back in 1986, I believe, a living saint. So I'd always kid him. i said, say, this is my living saint? And he would call me on the phone, and he would say, Mr. Hawk. And I would say, Mr. Lewis, we would just kid each other back and forth. So I knew pretty much what was happening here since December in his dying. I actually knew that he had been diagnosed with fourth-stage pancreatic cancer back in December. I thought that John would live forever. I never thought there would be a moment that uh, I would wake up in the morning uh, or late at night and, and not hear his voice on my phone. It's something that right now, my phone, I say, gosh, I'm not going to be able to talk to John. But I mean, what he did, first like John comes along once in a millennium, really. Martin King Jr. was that first person that we had that came along once in a millennium. And John Lewis was that second person. And we don't have them here anymore in person, but we have them in spirit. And I would suggest that the spirit of John Lewis is still probably greater today than it was before he passed on Friday because that voice that he had will now be listened to by a lot more people. And the movement that he loved will be carried out by a new generation of people that will understand what John Robert Lewis's beloved community meant. Do you feel that John thought about his legacy a lot, or is it something he thought that was for other people to write and to determine? Today in Atlanta, for example, they're picking a candidate to be on the ballot and his replacement of his name. John didn't have a recommendation to me about who he'd like to see in that position. I'm sure he'd rather see that position elected than appointed because John believed in the power of the vote. And rather than having a committee select a person, I think he was firm in what his legacy was going to be. I think he was uh, understood where he came from, Four Corners, not really Troy, Alabama, but Four Corners, Alabama. And how he had grown through all those years and the remarkable things he did from delivering that speech in the March on Washington. John was a very humble person. Never liked to really uh, exude his ego in terms of his legacy, but I think he was very firm what his legacy would be and hoped that it would carry on for generations yet unborn and that eventually it would become a beloved community. 
you mentioned kind of the message and how more people are hearing now with his passing, hearing what John had said. How do you and peers of yours keep the history of the civil rights movement, particularly in the 60s, alive when so many of the people who were involved with it are passing from us? Well, you're right. Three major generals of the civil rights movement, Joseph Lowry and Chi-Chi Vivian and John Lewis passed. But what they did is they really let, I guess, put together a framework for the future. And I think that uh, the new generation, the absolutely remarkable scenes that we've seen in this country since uh, the death of uh, George Floyd has absolutely regenerated the kind of movement that we really didn't even have in the 60s. And I think that they're beginning to see and step up. I think they're stepping up into leadership. These 24 and 25 and 20 year old kids. You know, John was only 23 years old when he spoke at the March on Washington. Martin Luther King was only 39 years old when he was assassinated. When you're talking about the generation, I mean, SNCC, one of the founders of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, I don't think anybody in that organization was older than 30. Ella Baker, who was a very important person in the movement, it was the same kind of young people you see out there in the street today were what John Lewis was part of back in the early 1960s. This is too personal, you don't need to answer, but I'm curious, given John in his final couple months, was he healthy enough that he was able to kind of pay attention to what was going on in the streets and a pine on? Yes, he had uh, the television on 24-7 watching the events and also when he could. He did three or four interviews before he left Washington three weeks ago to come back to Atlanta. He wanted to come back to Atlanta to be at his house because he knew what was coming. And the doctors had told him, essentially, that he had three to six months to live. And he had that when he was on 16th Street at the Black Lives Matter mural to Mayor of Washington. He knew that he didn't have much time. And when he came back to Atlanta, he would keep up with everything every day. And he would talk about things he was seeing. It was one thing that has never changed in his entire life. And I'm sorry to see this is not going to be able to happen for him to see Donald Trump defeated. There was somebody he detested and John didn't hate. But if he detested somebody, I think that would be Trump. He never went to any event with Trump. He even Mississippi had the Civil Rights Museum dedication a couple of years ago and Trump came and John refused to come because Trump was there. You run something called Civil Rights Tours in Atlanta. Obviously, I assume because of the coronavirus, you're not currently able to do that. How do you view the future of that work, and particularly with John not being around anymore? John was very helpful to me in setting up civil rights tour five years ago, and he took several tours with me. Having John on the tour wasn't usually a three-hour tour. It was a five-hour tour, because <laughs> he would talk to everybody and take everybody's questions on the bus, and it's remarkable to have them there. I'm going to hopefully set up probably social distance and set up on the bus for my tours to begin again in the middle of August, but we're going to continue. And now the legacy of John Lewis is going to be even greater than it was. Was a living saint, as Time Magazine said, and now he is a true icon and history maker in terms of changing various aspects of the the 20th century. Tom Houck, thank you very much for joining us this morning and very sorry for your loss. Go out there! Speak up! Speak out! Get in the way. Get in good trouble. And help redeem the soul of America. Thank each and every one of you.